Welcome to Zyma, guys. Ahoy, ahoy. We are Bob and Larry. Mm-hmm. And we're here to talk to you about some of the strangest stories of beer and fermentation throughout history. You can find us on all of your favourite podcasting platforms, as well as all good and bad social media, at Zyma Guys Pod. This is episode 30, The Spitfire Beer Runs. Bob? Mm-hmm. We are back at World War II. Of course. I mean, that's a place we visit quite often, mm-hmm. because at the mandatory like 30-year-old man meeting that each of us attended, clearly, the war we were assigned was World War II. We? I thought you, you were assigned World War II. I mean, I keep saying that I dabble in a lot of them. A little bit, but I think World War Two is the World one War Two is yours. Yeah, isn't it yours as well? I, I don't know. That I mean, at least at least from the podcasting perspective, I've been to the U.S. Civil War. I tend to read a lot about that. I mean, I've also been to Vietnam. Oh, okay. What do you reckon? What's yours? What's your war? What's my Man. war? Oh, we're 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 really revealing our Eurocentric. Uh, History of you here. Is that going to be I, the... No, I think it is the American Civil War. I tend to read a lot about that. Is it going to be the... Okay, you said American Civil War. I was, uh, I was gonna, about to ask you're you. You're going to ask me about the Emu War, aren't you? No. I was actually <laughs> thinking of more of the you know, the man-machine war uh, uh, that Terminator is set in. Oh, not, not the year 40,000? No, not Warhammer. that far. I also read a lot about Warhammer. Does that Why? Count? I really like Warhammer. <laughs> What's, what's that even? Like, I, I keep hearing Warhammer. I know there's a game. There's like, a lot of games. It's, it's one of the little tabletop ones, but the, the tabletop I've one seen I, the, like I the video played. game ones that, yeah. that people, like, actually compete in and stuff. Yeah. All right. That's, that's what it is. But there's a lot of lore. <laughs> there's so much lore. There's, mm-hmm. like, massive series of books. So that's your war. Yeah. I get, well, it's, I mean, it's 10,000 years of war. That's why, that's why there's so much law, because there's just a constant war going on for 10,000 years. So it's the American Civil War and the 10,000-year yeah, war. Yeah, the Horus Heresy, I guess. Oh, man. You're such a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's horrible. It spans a galaxy. There's a lot to read. You know, mine is much more tangible, mm-hmm. especially being here in Europe, World War Two. I mean, even though it is the World War, so it's tangible... All over, but especially here, well, I suppose. Yes. And uh, this is yet another episode in a series that I like to call "It's a War," in it. <laughs> We're going back to the UK. We are back at the UK. Okay. The title gave it away already. It's yeah. about Spitfires. The one plane. The everyone's everyone's favorite plane. It is everyone's favorite plane. Uh, I've, I've, to me, that's like describe a beautiful plane and the first image that pops it up in my mind is the Spitfire. Is the Spitfire. I think that's also... Uh, the Spitfire Mark 9, to be precise. Fairly prominent in video games, I think. I'm, I'm thinking like the 1942 top-down I feel shooters. There's certainly some also in like Call of Duty mm-hmm. and, and uh, that type of stuff. And no, it, no, I'm wrong. Sorry. I, I'm frantically Googling at the same time. It's a Lockheed... A Lockheed lighting, and it's, it's an American yeah, fighter. But I mean, it is the template of sexy planes. Well, it is, certainly. 
And I'm pretty sure it's also in a bunch of movies. Mm-hmm. Like all the World War II movies, I would have to yeah, say. Especially Tom, the ones... Tom that, Hardy's a, a Spitfire pilot in Dunkirk. That's in some World War Two, And uh, especially they're going to be prevalent in everything that has to do with Normandy. Mm-hmm. The invasion of Normandy. Uh, which, as we all know, began on the 6th of June, 1944. This is a very monumental occasion for the topic that we're talking about today, because otherwise, you know, we would have nothing to talk about yeah. if they hadn't invaded Normandy. The Allies are very much on the back foot here at this point in the war. But it's not even about who's on the back foot or not in this mm-hmm. case. All that matters to us is that all of a sudden there's going to be hundreds of thousands of uh, Allied troops in, uh, in France. Mm-hmm. This means there's going to be British, Canadian, and American soldiers. As the invasion of Normandy rages on, it takes months. And, um, you know, after months of the invasion and hundreds of thousands of men being there, the supplies start running a little bit low. Restocking shouldn't be that big an issue because they're in France and the UK is it's just right, right there. there. <laughs> but there's a great big strip of water famously occupied by Germany. And German U-boats that yeah. will target anything that's floating above the mm-hmm. water. So bringing in a lot of supplies really isn't the option. Right. And, uh, you know, this being France and them invading France, France famously not a big beer country, is it? Not particularly, no. We're in wine territory here. We are in wine territory. but Maybe ciders. Outside the French uh, with their, like, let's say, the uh, Napoleonic Wars. Mm-hmm. What other army has marched on wine? Is I, there I, any? I assume some Romans and Greeks were marching on wine. They were, they were big wine people. They were wine people, that's true. Romans particularly. But I would guess uh, your like, random centurion was still drinking whatever their... Like, Equivalent e- of beer was. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And uh, most of the armies... This is why we've dis- uh, discussed war so many times. Because we often brief, find beer... For the episodes yeah. that we hear? What, what is this? Episode, episode 30? 30. Okay. So we've returned to war and soldiers drinking beer so mm. many times. And there's a good reason for it. So France, not the optimal place to hold war. <laughs> well, yeah. You've got the Germans coming from one side. Beer people. The beer people. You've got, yeah. uh, you've got the English coming from the other side. And the Americans and Canadians. And, and all famously beer people. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, of course, they were trying to source uh, you know, supplies locally, but it mostly was wine and luxury goods. And wine is not something that you give to the troops. This is what the, your officers, officers will be enjoying mm-hmm. with their veal steak, you know, while the officers... The pate and... Uh Foie gras. Foie gras. Oh, oh <laughs> la la. Uh, yeah, but, you know, you didn't have a lot of beer for the troops, for the men in the trenches to wash down whatever their job mm-hmm. was. So resupplying was a big issue, and this is where the Royal Air Force, the RAF, comes into play. Right. They have planes. Handy. Planes famously quicker than boats. Mm-hmm. Harder to hit with a U-boat, too. 
that's also very true. And, uh, you know, in the UK, a number of breweries were actually very much willing to donate towards the war effort. Mm-hmm. One of these breweries was Henniger and Constable, based out of London, and they were willing to donate as much beer as was needed for the war effort. Right. The only issue still that remains is like how to get the beer over, because, you know, during wartime, the planes that you can, uh, you can take across the channel uh, aren't really, you know, big uh, supply planes. They've got to be small and maneuverable. Exactly. Like a Spitfire. There's going to be a lot of dogfighting happening mm-hmm. over the English mm-hmm. Channel, so a Spitfire is the perfect uh, means. But you can only put in a couple of crates of beer, and yep. that's not really going to help the war effort too much, is it? Is there... Um, there'd have to be larger supply planes already yeah, but going I, over... Or, no, we, we, we just can't do this. There's way too many dogfights to get any like large supply drops. I mean, there's also probably more important things than yeah, bringing yeah. in loads of beer in terms of the yeah, actual the Spitfire bloody... escort. Well, that, that would definitely be a way. Yeah. But the most efficient way that RAF came up with was making a little bit of a modification on the Spitfire Mark 9. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was called Modification XXX. <laughs> Modification triple X. Okay. That's for moonshine. Sounds like it. Yeah. But it was for beer. You know, these uh, Spitfires, uh, the uh, Mark 9s, they had pylons under the wing uh, where usually you could attach either bombs or extra fuel tanks mm-hmm. to, if you needed to do longer haul flights. But what if we use those pylons for beer? Was something that they thought up. What they did is they took the extra fuel tanks meant for long-haul flights uh, on the Spitfires. They steam-cleaned those. Okay. And then the breweries would send over their already kegged beers, and you would just refill them into the fuel tanks. Yeah, right, okay. Each of these uh, uh, fuel containers could hold up uh, to 400 liters of beer, and uh, each Spitfire had two of them. So you could actually make quite a dent into the beer needs of the of the troops this way. I'm trying to look for some some reference pictures of Spitfires with these fuel tanks on them, but these are mostly romanticized uh, pictures of. Uh, I will show you in just a second. Oh, okay. Uh, let me. L- open this picture for you and here have a look and will you please describe what you're seeing to our listeners oh okay uh it looks like we've got a spitfire on the uh on the ground here with a large torpedo like tank that's being filled directly from two casks by a man in a white lab coat and uh there's an RAF pilot, a classic-looking RAF pilot, just kind of chilling on the wing, looking longingly at the beer. Oh, and I see there's there is another RAF pilot uh, on the ground riding XXX on the on the tank. This is a picture we need to share with our dear listeners uh, in the imaginary pub as well. Yes, by the, uh, the just the description in this audio-only format was was not sufficient. I think it should have I thought been. I painted a really good picture. You painted a beautiful picture, Bob. Should we start calling you Bob Ross from now on, on account of your beautiful picture painting skills? Oh, I don't have the hair for it. No, you don't. That's true. That's true. 
But you know, this solution of getting 800 liters across the pond uh, uh, in, or across the channel mm-hmm. uh, in, in one quick motion, that was only semi-official. The same okay, this isn't, this isn't particularly sanctioned by the RAF. I mean, it, the RAF is all on board. Okay. But uh, Her Majesty's uh, government isn't. Is less on board with this. I mean, it seems to be semi-official because uh, the Air Ministry that was in charge of the RAF, mm. they actually sent the sa- very same picture that you just so eloquently described to our listeners. They did send this to the news media that also printed this as a little bit of a feel-good story about oh, yeah. the war, you know. You, you get new newsreel before the... Oh, the boys in yeah. the, on, the, in, on the whatever... I, I won't do that accent. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but... We're refueling the, the boys to go fight the Hun. See? That's we, it. Are we still calling them that in World War Two? I think we call them the Nazis. Oh, yeah. No, that's a much better. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably a little bit more of a precise description yeah. of what they really were. No? Well, Jerry's. Jerry's. That's, that's what it was in World War One. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. So, in a sense, it wasn't fully sanctioned, but it was at the very least tolerated, mm-hmm. this practice. They turned a blind eye. Indeed. Mm-hmm. And as there were more and more of these supplies, naturally, there was more demand. And especially as time went on, you know, the whatever supplies they had to come with, they were all gone. So naturally, the demand for more beer is going to be on the rise. Right. So they needed a more efficient solution. Enter a different kind of plane. This is the Hawker Typhoon. That's another one of those uh, that you need to Google. It's a oh, beautiful, another extremely gorgeous uh, World War II plane. The Hawker Typhoon. The Hawker Typhoon. These had significantly bigger tanks, and uh, you could bring in quite a bit more beer oh, okay, in yeah. one, uh, one swift go. These, you, these guys have got the big landing gear. Yeah. Yeah, right But you know, the only issue with the Hawker Typhoons was that they looked damn near identical, especially while in air, to the German Focke Wolf 190s. So a lot of the American Air Force pilots had issues keeping the two of them apart, and they would get attacked constantly. Oh, so it is, right. So, for example, group captain of the RAF, uh, Captain Scott, Mm -hmm. He uh, said that one typhoon got attacked on two separate occasions by Americans in just one day. And in order to <laughs> evade the American attacks, uh, he had to drop his tanks oh, into no. the uh, English Channel. And yeah, no more beer. I feel like the second time they came back was after the, after the first one when they said, don't, don't shoot, we're bringing over beer. And the Americans thought British beer. Oh, they came with a vengeance. They called in reinforcements. (laughs) They went in with a vengeance. Like, This is an example of an unsuccessful delivery, but a lot of these were very Mm. much a success. And the beer did reach the troops. But what do you reckon? Is this going to be a great beer? It's going to be 
poured from the keg into a fuel tank. And then and, poured from a fuel tank back into a keg. Yes. Which actually, because the, the first sort of picture you were painting of the, the like being hung from the uh, bomb. Uh, the pylons. Pylon, thank you. Was that uh, I was assuming these Spitfire was maybe doing some sort of low flyby and, and dropping these things. No, 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 no. We're, we're actually like landing. They're landing with the beer. Yeah. Okay. There's no dropping of the beer. So we've got to land. We're emptying out the fuel tanks into kegs that we presumably or have on the... Or the mugs of uh, <laughs> eagerly <laughs> awaiting just, Air yeah, Force The guys man. who were already there at the time. Uh, well, given that picture, I'm, I'm assuming that a lot of the cleaning of these fuel tanks was probably done by uh, the fine men of the RAF and yeah, not, yeah. Uh, not, not any brewers or anyone who would kind of know how to care for a tank. I'm pretty sure of the fact. Uh, I don't think they had a proper cleaning place CIP yeah. uh, set up. So I'm, their, I'm guessing uh, passivation is not something that's been carried out on these fuel tanks. Certainly not. So I'm guessing they taste like a pocket full of coins when they uh, get there. Well, some tasting notes from oh, people that were there is that it does indeed have a me- very metallic taste, mm-hmm. the beer. And uh, the first few runs... There was also a very noticeable taste of airplane fuel. Yeah. <laughs> okay, of course it would be. Uh, and that's not regular fuel either. It's aircraft fuel. It is aircraft yeah. fuel. And uh, I'm, I don't know. Uh, it's probably like, you know, lead content plus. Yeah. It's gonna this be... was not good stuff to be drinking. Yeah, uh, but I wouldn't. But still, they decided to stick with it. Mm-hmm. You know, after a while... They actually modified the pylons on the Spitfires so that uh, they no longer were just for dropping bombs or or carrying extra fuel, Mm. but they could actually hold purpose-built beer tanks. Okay, so we've we've moved on from just fuel tanks and we've we've actually made Mm -hmm. proper vessels. Proper vessels, and these are now already filled at the breweries. Mm. So, you know, brewers that actually do know about sanitation are no longer steam cleaning uh, <laughs> fuel tanks, fuel tanks <laughs> but they probably have gone through the whole passivation or is that the word i think passivation is the word all right they passivated the tanks yeah so they're not going to be like a pocket full of nickels mm-hmm. uh, what i um what a thing to sort of own though i'm just thinking of all of those like beer historians, you know, like in the pub, you've always got some like old beer stuff, yeah, like yeah, big yeah. steins. And just imagine getting your hands on one of these. Like what a talking point, this this custom built, I'm assuming torpedo shaped. It is very much torpedo shaped. I was just about to get uh, to that because I need to post a picture of these as well. Because oh, yes. they had nose cones. I wonder so if they, they were very much aerodynamical or aerodynamic, uh, dynamical. aerodynamic, and uh, you know, the beauty of this is you fly one of these big old nose coned torpedo shaped uh, kegs of beer over to France, mm. and it's naturally going to be super nice and cold. Oh, right, it's even like doing a bit of conditioning in there. Uh, it's not doing conditioning, but it's going to be cold because you fly high up in the air where okay, the temperature quick, is going to be pretty low. 
a quick Google did lead me to an actual beer keg. Oh no, uh, that's a, that's a cask. That is not that's, what that's I meant. Not, that's not the one you mean. And then there's, there's. But I mean, this is definitely also what was used. Then there's these while. weird looking things. That looks a little bit closer. Okay. So now I just are... need to look this up on eBay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> See if a couple of these things. Ah, this is this is great podcasting. Bob's googling and and then showing the Larry pictures. Well, yes. it's it's a it's like a beer cask that looks like it's got a leather strap around it, and then there's just a like a really hastily made nose cone. This might have been the prototype. These are the <laughs> prototypes. The pictures I've seen are also of stainless steel ones that oh, right. actually look pretty dope. But it looks like in I mean, a pinch you could use this as a weapon as well. If yeah. you really needed to drop one of these on something, it looks like it'd do some damage. Depending on your precision, yeah. you could probably take out a handful of Nazis in you one, could, well, you could, one motion. I think you could take out a small boat if you needed to. This, yeah. Dropping this thing from the sky to go through a deck. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. But, you know, uh, it wasn't only the Brits that realized the benefits of flying stuff in this way. So, naturally, the Americans also started doing it. And as in typical American fashion, they tried to one-up the Brits in the first few moments, I suppose. They bought West Coast IPAs. It, it was all Sierra Nevada Pale <laughs> But also ice cream, custard ice cream. That's what they decided was like going to boost the morale of the troops, I suppose. So, yeah, the Americans start doing it. And after a little while, all of it came to a crashing halt. What do you reckon why? Oh, this is going to be terrible. There's going to be some bureaucracy. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) It is. As we have well established, the absolute essence and root of all human evil (laughs) bureaucracy. Her Majesty's Customs and Excise got involved, (laughs) realizing that... Oh, the Excise Board, no. All of this beer is getting exported without any excise paid, and they shut it all down. Oh, exported is like... That's that's a malicious way of, of of saying beer sent to troops. Exported. It was donated. And it's donated the as well. They're not making any money off of this. No, They're supporting the home front. Her Majesty's uh, Customs and Excise thought that this was a massive violation of the excise rules and unless so the, the Crown wasn't paid, making money off of this. Yes. <laughs> and that's how it ended. No more more Spitfire beer runs. Oh, God save the Queen, I guess.